And I want to say thank you for joining us online. Hope that you are encouraged, blessed by today's time and worship and in God's word. We're going to grow in our faith together today. If you have your Bible with you, and I hope that you do, you'll either turn or click to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 or Galatians 5. We'll make a quick little pit stop at 1 Corinthians 14, and then we'll dig in a little bit deeper to Galatians chapter 5 as we continue in our Disciple Track series. And here's what that looks like every week. I'm writing a chapter to contribute to a 12-week discipleship track that we'll use moving forward to lay foundations in the faith for new believers, for people who are coming back to Christ, and to just help those who maybe have followed Christ for a long time just deepen their foundations, their awareness of who God is, who they are in Christ because of what Jesus has done in their life at the cross and through his risen life. And so every week I'm writing a chapter, I'm preaching into it on Sunday mornings, and then we're encouraging you that this content is best experienced in the context of small groups, that, that groups of men and women and couples and young adults and youth are gathering together to kind of take a deeper dive in discussion and application and ministry one to another. Every week is a unique topic, and so every week is a unique opportunity for you to connect to one of those small groups. And again, just take a deeper dive into to discussing and applying these principles to our lives of faith. So we've talked about the call to discipleship that God calls us beyond just a casual church attendance or, or calls us beyond just believing in God, but calls us to a life of following Christ. We've talked about the heart of God as a good father, that the way we see God can be influenced by our, our earthly experiences with people, especially our earthly fathers, and by the pain of our past, and that we must begin to see God for who he really is. He's a good father. We've talked about your identity in Christ, just that it's important that in a world that is constantly speaking and lying and looking to deceive you about who you are, your life's purpose, and your life's significance, that the cross of Jesus Christ did amazing things and, and, and made you um, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We've talked about the call to be part of the church, the ecclesia of God, that there's a, there's a community of faith that we're called to be in to sharpen one another, to enjoy fellowship, and to advance the kingdom together. Last week, we began talking about the person and the power of the Holy Spirit, that the Bible has a lot to say about the importance of a relationship with the Holy Spirit for every Christ follower, and that topic is so critically important, and we'll dig into what the Word of God has to say about that here in a moment that I just could not put it all into one chapter or one week. And so this week, we're going to continue uh, talking about a relationship with the Holy Spirit and specifically about walking in the fruit of the Holy Spirit and in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But before we dig into that topic this morning, would you allow me to just kind of catch us up to speed? Maybe if you were unable to be a part of last week's message, and it'll just be a good reminder even if you were. So a few quick truths about this powerfully important person and power of the Holy Spirit. And listen, here's, here's the thing is, there's, there's, a, um, there's this concept that I introduce often, and, it, and it, it goes like this. Anywhere where there's power, potential, or promise in your life of faith, you can just expect for there to be opposition. It's why there's opposition to doing marriage God's way. It's why there's opposition to raising your teenagers to know and love and fear and serve the Lord. And it's why there's opposition to walking in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Perhaps more than any other topic, there's opposition because of the power, potential, and promise that's tied up within experiencing and walking in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So the enemy, if he can't fully oppose it, he'll introduce controversy, he'll introduce confusion that causes hesitancy or reservation 
about experiencing and walking forward in the fullness of a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So let's agree that in in spite of maybe what the the world has to offer, in spite of maybe our previous experiences, in spite of maybe some of our previous opinions, let's agree that in these couple weeks that we're digging into this important topic, that we'll value what the Word of God has to say. And Jesus even specifically had some powerful, important things to say about the significance and importance of the Holy Spirit. So here's what I want to recap for you. John 16, 7, Jesus said this, it is to your advantage that I go away. He said, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And the helper is the promised person of the Holy Spirit. So quickly, let me recap five quick things, and then we'll dive into the character and calling of the Holy Spirit, the fruit and the, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Number one is the Holy Spirit is God. He's present and active in the plans and promises of God all throughout the Bible. Number two, the Holy Spirit is a, is a person of the Godhead. More than a mystical being, more than a spiritual force, or more than a source of power, he's a person who desires to have a relationship with you. Number three, he's your helper. Jesus said, I will send, God will send the helper, the promised helper. That word is the Greek word parakletos. And it means one sent alongside to help. And that word is so powerful that that the Bible translators struggled to find one English word that could really fully encapsulate what God was trying to communicate to you about the importance and power of the Holy Spirit in your life. That translation that I use said helper, but your translation might say comforter. Your translation might say advocate. Your translation might say counselor. And here's the thing, he's all those things. On the day where you need help, turn to the Holy Spirit. On the day where you need comfort, the Holy Spirit. On the day where you need an advocate, someone to step up and begin to fight for you, you need the Holy Spirit. On a day where you need someone to give you counsel, you don't know what to do, what to say, where to turn, you need the Holy Spirit. He's all those things and more. Number four, the Holy Spirit is the promise of God and the promise of God for you. And for every person who will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and make Jesus Lord of their life. We see this in Acts chapter two, verse 38 and 39, where, the, where Peter is preaching boldly the same Peter, who previously, just a few chapters before, was denying ever having even been with Christ to an elementary school girl, is now preaching boldly in such a way that this, if you read on in this chapter, 3,000 men came to Christ, not to mention even the women and children that were with them. So he's preaching boldly, he's preaching powerfully, and in the wake of his powerful, bold sermon, filled with conviction, verse 38 of Acts chapter 2 is Peter's response to their question. They said, Brothers, what must we do to be saved? And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Watch this, verse 39. This promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. He was speaking about you and me. So the Holy Spirit is the promise of God, and this promise is for you. Lastly, just as I'm recapping real quickly, he desires to have a friendship, a relationship with you. uh, 2 Corinthians 13 says this, verse 14, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God the Father, and may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. He's saying you're going to need to experience the forgiveness of a Savior, You're going to need to experience the love of the Father, the kind of love that fills those places in your heart that you've been desperately looking for the things and the people and the promises of the world to fill, but they can never fill in a way that only the love of God can fill. 
And he says, you're also, though, don't stop short. You're going to need salvation. You're going to need forgiveness. You're going to need the love of the Father in your life. But he says, you're also going to need the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, your paracletos, your helper, comforter, advocate, counselor, and friend. He desires a relationship with you. The Holy Spirit is not a means to an end. He's an intimate friend. So let's dig into God's word. And before we do, let's pray. Let's invite God to speak to us today. As much as I care about your life of faith, about the future you have in Christ, about God's desire to heal you from the pain of your past, God cares even more. And so I'm going to pray corporately, but I want you, man of God, woman of God, to begin to pray and just ask God to speak to you, to encourage you, to strengthen you in your unique circumstances, the opportunities that lie before you, the obstacles or opposition that you're up against. And let's begin to pray and ask God to come and move in our lives today. Speak to us today. Father, that's our prayer. Come on, people of God, right there where you are. Just begin to just turn your heart towards God. Just begin to open your heart to receive what he desires to do, what he wants to speak to you, what he wants to remind you of, what he wants to reveal to you today, maybe in a newer, deeper way than you've ever seen before. And Lord, we just thank you, God, that you are able, and we invite you, God, to come and to reveal more of the heart of the Father. Lord, would you use an imperfect preacher, an imperfect message to reveal the perfect heart of a good Father, Lord, who has a good plan, a good hope, a good future for every person, Lord. People who, are, who seem disconnected from that reality today, Lord, because of hurts and pains and wounds and struggles, God, anyone here who's here today facing any of those things in any area of their life, Lord, spiritually, physically, relationally, emotionally, financially, wherever their struggle lies, God, thank you today that you would come, God, and you would reveal your love, that you would come and you would bring your forgiveness, you would come, God, and you would bring fresh faith and strength and courage and hope for the future that every one of us has in Christ Jesus. We invite you to come and speak to us. We welcome your presence here today, God. We thank you, Lord, that you're a good God and you're here in this place with us because where even two or three are gathered together in your name, you are there in their midst. So we welcome you to speak to us and do a work in our lives today in Jesus' name. And come on, if you'll receive even just one of those promises for yourself, give the Lord a good amen. 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 Okay, so 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And here's what the Apostle Paul is writing to his precious friends, brothers and sisters, believers, fellow believers at the church of Corinth. And watch what he says. He says, pursue love and earnestly desire, your translation might say, eagerly pursue the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. The New Living Translation of that same verse says it this way, let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities that the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. So I want to talk to you today about the character and the calling of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is the evidence of the Holy Spirit's operation in our lives, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are these special gifts that he distributes to every believer for the strengthening of the church and for the expansion of the gospel. So he says, make love your highest goal, but don't forget to pursue the gifts that God desires to give you as a believer in your life of faith. So, so let me just establish something real quick. If you have to pursue one over the other, pursue the character of the Holy Spirit, the fruit, the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Paul says that right there. Make that your highest goal. Why? Because if you get the calling and the gifts of the Holy Spirit without the character and the fruit of the Holy Spirit, what is intended to bring blessing can actually become a burden. What's intended to bring healing can actually cause harm. So he says, above everything else, you need to pursue love, but don't forget to earnestly desire, eagerly pursue the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So Galatians chapter five is where we find the outlining of these nine 
fruit of the Holy Spirit. And verse 22 is really where we're going. That's where the nine fruit are described to us. But I want to just kind of back up and read a little bit more of the chapter. The Lord's just been calling me to just kind of slow down a little bit and read a little bit more of the Bible so that we have kind of added context. And because there's so many precious people coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time who've never read this, who've never heard the story. And so let's back up and let's read from verse 16 moving forward in Galatians chapter 5. And here's what the writer says. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces, here's where the rubber meets the road right here in our lives, right? These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension and division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, sins like these. And he says, let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and the desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part. Some would say every part. In every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited, provoke one another, or be jealous of one another. He says the fruit, which is outward evidence, the evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives as we begin to put away these old things that once controlled us and once influenced us, we begin to crucify them to the cross of Jesus Christ. We begin to walk in the freedom of Christ, and we begin to exhibit these nine things, love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. And gentleness, there's no law against these things. So it says, that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So so fruit is the truest evidence of who we really are. I I could see two fruit trees growing and there's all the the leaves and the greenery on them and I, I, I wouldn't be able to really discern what kind of a tree. Is it an apple tree? Is it a peach tree? I don't know, but when there's fruit upon the tree, I can discern what the tree really is. And so fruit is outward evidence and this, this is the thing, when we come to Christ, we really are intended to begin to sound and look differently than we did before. We're called to sound and look differently than the culture of the world. And let me make a statement here. What we actually say and what we actually do matters more than what we say we believe. And he says, The fruit of the Spirit are these nine characteristics, these nine attributes. And when you get caught up in your flesh, you begin to live differently. You begin to get caught up and swung back into these these old sinful patterns. But my desire, God says, is for you to, to express the evidence of the Holy Spirit through love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. So we ought to look differently. We ought to sound differently. Acts chapter two, watch what it says. God has raised this Jesus to life and we are witnesses of it. 
Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out, catch this, what you now see and hear. Acts 4.20, we cannot stop telling about everything that we have seen and heard. Acts 19.26 says, and you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced many to come to Christ. So, so we're to look differently. We're to sound differently. We're to live differently when we begin to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But how many of you know the struggle is real? How many know it's easier said than done? And I don't know about you, but I recognize and realize there are times in my life where I'm embarrassed to say that especially when I'm under the pressure of life, especially when the squeeze is on in my life, that what comes out of me, I'm embarrassed to say, does not line up with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And you know, when that happens, here's what I've learned to do. Not allow the enemy to beat me up with guilt, shame, and condemnation, but to use that as like a check engine light, a warning sign, an indication that I need to get in the presence of God. And almost always, I realize and recognize, come on, I'm just talking about like when I go through something and I realize, man, I, I just snapped at that person. I just was short with my kids. I was just impatient with my wife. I was just, I allowed that situation to cause there to be anger or jealousy or envy or bitterness in my heart. And I've begun to see that those are warning signs that most likely I've drifted from the place of devotion and time with the Holy Spirit. And I, and I, I become aware of that. I mean, what I see and what, I, what, what people are seeing what my wife's seeing from me behind closed doors, what, what people are hearing from me. It's not lining up with the evidence and the fruit that God says should be coming out of me. And I realize almost inevitably it's because I've allowed my devotional time to either become obsolete or I've allowed it to become a religious check mark instead of a moment in time that marks me. We can't do this in our own strength. I, I, I can't. I can't exhibit the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Those other things, greed, envy, anger, lust, I can exhibit those things on my own. But I can't exhibit the fruit of the Holy Spirit without being connected to the Holy Spirit. I can't, I can't exhibit the character and the nature of Christ without abiding in Christ. Jesus said, John 15, verse five, I am the vine. You're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much, what? Fruit. For apart from me, you could do nothing. It's a comparative statement. There's obviously something you can accomplish in your own strength. But it pales in comparison to what you can accomplish and who you can be or become if you'll commit to live a life of devotion and relationship with God daily. Lord, I need you. I know there's some things coming in my day, and there's some things that I don't know to anticipate, but I know that I need you. I need your feeling. I need your strength. I need your grace. I need your wisdom. I need your spirit to grace me and to empower me. Ephesians 5, verse 14 through 20. Again, there's just one verse I'm really looking to underline here, but let's read a few more of them just to kind of see a little bit more of what God's trying to speak to us as his people and it says this, it says, this is why it said, verse 14, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I wonder who he's speaking to today, and he's calling you out of a place of spiritual slumber and apathy. And he's saying, wake up. He's saying, it's time to wake up. It's time for your heart to come alive. It's time for you to rise up from those dead places, and it's time for you to start living again. 
And he says, be careful, verse 15, be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. If that was true in Ephesians chapter five, how many of you know it's even more true today? And he says, don't be foolish, understand what the Lord's will is. He says, don't get drunk on wine, that leads to debauchery, instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, songs in the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always, someone say always, giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, be filled with the Spirit. Here's what's significant about that. That verb that we translate be filled is the Greek word pleirose, and it's written in the present tense. Here's what's significant about that. It implies the need for an ongoing filling and impartation from the Holy Spirit. It was never intended to be a one-time experience. There's a moment where you might receive for the first time the infilling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but the Apostle Paul is saying right here, especially in these days that we're living in, there's gonna be a need for you to realize your need to be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit fresh and new every day. It's the only way that you can exhibit the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's the only way I can exhibit the fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life. Let love be your highest goal, but eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So that's 1 Corinthians 14.1. Now turn back to 1 Corinthians 12, and here's where we find kind of an outline of these spiritual gifts. There's three, some say four, but I think there's really three categories of spiritual gifts that we find in the Bible. There's motivational gifts that are found in Romans chapter 12. There are ministerial gifts that are found in Ephesians chapter four and kind of underlined again in Ephesians chapter five. But in 1 Corinthians 12, we find this list of what, uh, we, what theologians call manifestational gifts. And so here's what the Apostle Paul says about those gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, he says this, now concerning the gifts of the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, watch what he says, I do not want you to be uninformed. I do not want you to be uninformed. And here's what I, I believe is true and sad to say is that much of the church at large is largely uninformed about the reality of spiritual gifts in their life. Because again, we just kind of tend to tiptoe around this topic because it kind of challenges us to trust God. It kind of challenges us to step out because in previous times and seasons, maybe there have been some things that have been applied or operated in that have kind of not been fully aligned with the heart of God. And so there's confusion or controversy that creates reservation or hesitancy. And here's what I believe is that we must get back to what the Bible says about Christianity if we want to see Christianity change the culture around us. We've got to say, Lord, we, don't, we wanna show the fruit, the love, and that's gonna be our highest goal, but we also need the power of God. We wanna be seeker-friendly and that we wanna be approachable by people who are far from God, but the version of Christianity that they experience when they come into our midst needs to be transformative. It needs to give them the power to be set free from addictions and bondages. It needs to have the power of God so that they can begin to hear and see and know that there's a future that they have prophetically in Christ Jesus. We have not done anyone any favors watering down this message. But let's agree 
that we'll dig into what God's word has to say about these gifts. And before we get into these things, know that the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14 that, the, that, the, that God is a God of order. He desires, he says, let all these things, speaking of what we're about to read about, be done in decency and order, for God is a God of order. So this is not weirdness, this is not um, us being, uh, you know, losing control of our senses or whatever, this is us being surrendered and empowered by the Holy Spirit to be used by the Holy Spirit to reveal the heart of the Father and the grace of the Savior, right? So, so there are, let's, let's read about these things. And he said, remember, remember what Paul said before we read, I do not want you to be uninformed. And before we read, actually, there's something that happened recently. My, our, our son, Aaron, who's, uh, who's 16, he's right over here. He doesn't know, don't know that I'm telling this story, but here's what you gotta learn is a, you, need the, you need to understand there's a certain thing called preacher's kids Miranda rights. You have a right to remain silent. What you say and do can be used against you as a sermon illustration. So recently, Aaron had his wisdom teeth out. How many remember having that done? You know, that's not a fun experience, right? He had his wisdom teeth out, and a friend and an oral surgeon that's here in the church did the procedure, did a great job like we expected that he would. And so Aaron came out of the procedure, and we did what every good Christian caring parent would do. We filmed him coming out of anesthesia, right? I mean, you got to, right? Like, and there's either gonna be something funny or interesting or maybe telling. I mean, you kind of have a way of kind of like maybe sharing some things, but we were, we were fair with him. We didn't ask him any probing questions or anything, even though I wanted to. And, and, it, and it did not disappoint, right? It did not disappoint. So, so the youth ministry of, of, of the church found out that Aaron was having this procedure and they graciously and kindly reached out to check on Aaron and they said, hey, we just wanna check on Aaron. Can we come by and pray with him? And can we also send him a gift card so he can get some ice cream or maybe some smoothies during these couple days where he can't have solid foods? And we said, wow, thank you for reaching out. That means so much to us. We didn't expect that. We didn't ask for it. And probably we, it felt like to us it was maybe under the threshold of what we would ex when we would expect something like that to, to be initiated. But we were grateful and thankful that they thought of him. And, and so we said, thank you, that's a real blessing. So a few days later, one of us said, hey, Aaron, did you ever get something special from the church? And he said, no, not, not to my knowledge. And, and, and so I said, oh, I'll check with them because maybe there was a miscommunication. Maybe they left it on my desk and I was supposed to bring it to him. And so I just asked the staff, I said, hey, it's not, it's not that we expected anything, but I'm just, you guys had mentioned it, so I'm just checking to make sure I didn't drop the ball on something or whatever. They said, oh, Pastor T, what we did is we sent an electronic card to him. We sent an e-card that had a, had a link to a gift card within that electronic card. I said, oh, and they said, we sent it to his email inbox. And I said, oh, that's the problem. Teenagers don't check their, e their email inboxes. I said, you, sh you should have face chatted it to them or snap faced it to them or whatever. <laughs> that was by design. I'm not that big of a boomer, all right? Because he would have seen that, though, right? He would have seen that. And, and so we were able to go and tell them, hey, Aaron, they actually did send something to you. You need to check your email inbox. Here's the point. There was a gift that had been sent to him that he was unaware of. There was a gift that had been sent to him that he was uninformed about. 
And so until he was aware of it and informed about it, the gift was lying dormant, not being utilized, not, not ex- him not experiencing the blessing and the benefit that that gift was, in, was sent, intended to deliver into his life. How many of us are unaware or uninformed about the reality that God has sent not only the gift of Jesus, but also the gift of the Holy Spirit, and now the Holy Spirit is giving us spiritual gifts and, and, and inward fruit in our lives. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed about these things. So, so there we go, 1 Corinthians 12, verse four. It says this, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them all. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God who is at work. To each one, someone say each one. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith in the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And yet to another, the interpretation of those tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit as he distributes to each one just as he determines. So in the chapter that I wrote this week and in the life groups that are gonna meet throughout the week, we take a real deep dive into these nine manifestational gifts, including a real deep dive into the one that tends to have the most controversy, controversy or confusion around it, the gift of speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues. So I wanna encourage you minimally, go check out the chapter, read it, take a deeper dive into understanding some of these things. For the context of today's service, we're gonna get into it, but I'm just gonna kinda do an overview of these nine manifestational spiritual gifts. Number one's the gift of wisdom. And and here's what you need to understand, and you might relate to some of these things, and I wanna encourage, in fact, Pastor Eddie, I want us to, early in the week, Pastor Amity or or, or Pastor Eddie or Amity, let's um, let's send out our spiritual gifts assessment um, church-wide so that every one of you will have it in your inbox, and, and if you don't get that email, come on, reach out to us, and we'll just gladly make sure we have the correct email for you and send it out to you, because it, it's just a practical tool to kind of begin to dig in and discover more of how God's wired you uniquely with your own spiritual gifts, and I went back and retook the test last week, and it was amazing just how it showed me some of the things that I, I they resonated with me, so as I read these things, here's what I want to encourage you with. Listen, you, you have some of these gifts, whether you're aware of it or not. And in this season, let's trust that the Lord is gonna begin calling you and inviting you into more of an awareness and thus more of operating in these gifts for the strengthening of the body of Christ and for the advancement of the gospel. So the gifts of wisdom, those with this gift bring divinely inspired counsel or direction beyond what they could have obtained in their own intellect. The gift of knowledge, those with this gift have special insight from God to reveal the heart of God's written or spoken word in profound ways that are divinely inspired and really bring impact into people's lives. The gift of faith, while every believer is given a measure of faith, you find that in Romans 12, verse three, some are gifted with an extraordinary measure of faith that helps the church to move forward and trust God even in the midst of opposition, unknown circumstances, or facing seemingly impossibilities. The gift of healing, while every believer can obviously be used in this way, there are those who experience added fruitfulness when ministering to those who need healing. The working of miracles, we can all operate in the miracle working power of God, but some are graced uniquely by the Lord in this way. There's just added fruitfulness and evidence of these things, discerning of spirits. Those with this gift are graced to more readily distinguish 
the root spirit that is operating in a situation or within a person beyond what might be visible or readily apparent. Come on, in this day and hour, we need more discerning of spirits. There's all kinds of things, waves of confusion, ways of deceptions that are coming against people. Prophecy, this gift delivers the heart and the word of God to others in a way that brings courage, comfort, counsel, or conviction to change and pursue God, speaking in tongues. This is the grace and the gift to deliver a message from God in a different or spiritual language. Interpretation of tongues is quite obviously and literally the grace to bring the interpretation of a word from God. And again, if you wanna know more about that, there's a deeper dive in that chapter. Go read it and, and, and look to become a part of a group. So there's nine manifestational gifts that we just read about right there, there's nine. Now, how many, so there's nine of those gifts, right? How, how many um, fruit of the Spirit were there? There's nine. So there's nine fruit of the Holy Spirit and there's nine manifestational group of gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, do you remember when Jesus was being water baptized, what happened? You remember what God said over him? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He understood that even Jesus would need the love and the affirmation of the Father to fulfill his purpose in life. But do you remember what happened in that context? Remember what it said as Jesus came out of the water? The Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in bodily form like a what? Like a dove. So, like a dove, the Holy Spirit is symbolized by a dove. There's nine fruit and there's nine manifestational gifts. Did you know that rather uniquely, a dove has nine primary feathers on each wing? It's very unlike other birds. And did you know that those, there's five ministerial gifts, apostle, prophet, teacher, pastor, and evangelist? And did you know that even more uniquely, the dove has five tail feathers? Five tail feathers. So there's nine gifts and there's nine fruit. And I believe that God is so intentional and so amazing and so awesome and so sovereign that he's speaking to us right from the start. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you like a dove. And there's nine fruit of the Spirit that you are intended to operate in and reveal to others. And there are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit that are needed for the strengthening of the church and the advancement of the gospel. And those things, God's, God's desiring to see people who will worship him in spirit and in truth, those things are, are intended to operate together so that the church of Jesus Christ can move forward in power and grace. What begins to happen or what would begin to happen if one wing began to be overemphasized or if one wing began to be underemphasized or if one wing began to lose those feathers or be bound or forgotten about, come on, what would begin to happen? That dove would go into a nosedive. Worst case, that dove would be flying in circles. And he says, pursue love, the gift of the spirit, I mean, the fruit of the spirit, but don't forget to earnestly desire and pursue the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And when those two things are operating in unison, my body, my church, my people, with the direction of the apostles and prophets and teachers and pastors and evangelists, my church will advance in power and grace. Reading on, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18 says, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. He goes on, he says, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. 
Verse 25, he says, there should be no division in the body, but the part should have equal concern for one another. There are some gifts that God has graced you with that I need in my life. There are some gifts that God has graced me with that you need in your life. And we are better together. One body, many parts, many different giftings, callings, testimonies, and the heart of God has forever been that we would all unite together so that we can move forward with power and grace. Nick Wellams, I didn't have a chance to meet him. He had gone to be with the Lord before Amity and I were invited to come and serve in this church. He was our first official senior pastor of this church from 1975 to 1994. He's one of the saints that I'll look forward most to sitting down and having a conversation with when we get to heaven together. And here's what, here's what Pastor Nick said. He said this, I'm quoting him from his book, The History of the Mustard Seed. Well, I'm quoting him. In order for a movement not to become a monument, constant exposure to new winds of the Holy Spirit are essential. What does that mean, Pastor T, new winds? Well, you remember in Acts chapter two, the early disciples were gathered together in the upper room. It says they were praying and they were worshiping the Lord. They were in one accord. They were in unison and the Holy Spirit came. Jesus had told them to wait for that moment. He appeared to them after his resurrection for 40 days, teaching them about the kingdom of God. And one of the things he told them was, don't even start your ministry. Don't even go and try to do marriage. Don't even go and try to build your family. Don't even go and try to build your business until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And these same ones who had denied Jesus, who had been locked away in fear, became filled with the Holy Spirit because they were faithful to wait on and pursue and worship and be unified. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, you will receive power. And so here, here's what we see. That Holy Spirit came in the, in the way of a rushing wind and a flame of fire that rested. The Bible says that tongues of fire rested upon the early disciples. He rested. Did you catch that? That's, it's not weirdness and sensationalism. The Holy Spirit desires to rest. But here's what I believe, what, what, what Pastor Nick was trying to convey that our culture is not going to be changed by clever programs, by, by moving lights, by smoke machines, by preachers in sneakers and skinny jeans. <laughs> it's gonna be changed by a move of the Holy Spirit. And more than anything, come on, those things aren't all bad in and of themselves. We utilize them. Come on, I'm out of wearing that outfit today. But more than those things, we need a fresh wind to blow upon us. And we need a fresh fire to rest within us. And in the places where the church in our lives and corporately we've grown lukewarm in our love, we've grown lukewarm, remember that word? Fervently, eagerly, earnestly desire the Holy Spirit to work in and through you. And in the places where we've grown lukewarm, come on today, I say let the wind and the fire of God come and move again. We need a fresh fire to come and move again. Come on, in our culture, we need to operate with those three C's. I encourage with us often, we need to have compassion for people who are far from God, dealing with confusion, but we need to also have courage and conviction.
We need a fire to begin to burn in our lives. Hebrews 12, 29 says our God is a consuming fire. Malachi 3, 2 says he'll be like a refiner's fire. Isaiah 4, verse 4 says he's a spirit of fire that will burn away sin. When sin has become tolerated and embraced and even ordained into the pulpits of our churches, come on, we need a fresh fire to burn once again. But a while ago, I came across a story that I've shared once before, but it bears repeating in the context of closing this message. There, back in the 1900s, early 1900s, there was a, kind of a phenomenon. Park rangers in California began to discover that in the redwood forest, these mighty great sequoia trees, it's really a national treasure, but they began to be concerned and alarmed that there wasn't a new generation of redwoods taking their place in the forest. And so they began to look into this, they began to study this, and here's what they discovered. Man-made fire prevention measures were actually the reason. The note that the next generation of redwoods was not taking its place. And, and, and so here's what they began to do. They began to, to, to do prescribed controlled burns to allow for the canopy to be burned away and to allow for the seeds to be scorched and to allow for the atmosphere to be right for the new generation to emerge and begin to grow and sprout forth and begin to take its place. And here's what it means to us today that in the effort to be seeker friendly or in the effort to not really make someone uncomfortable, we've kind of shrunk away from this message. And once again, if we do not have the fire of God beginning to burn, we'll miss out on the opportunity to see another generation become a spirit-empowered, gospel-preaching, Bible-believing, generation. We need the fire of God to burn in our lives once again. Actually, I want to ask you in this service to stand to your feet. Would you stand to your feet? Here in a moment, I wanna, we're gonna sing this song. I want you to be postured just to receive in a fresh way, maybe for some of you a new way, the gift that God desires to give you who is the person of the Holy Spirit. Luke eleven thirteen says this, if you sinful people, he's just speaking about us fallen people, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? But before we do take that moment, I wanna give people the opportunity to come home to Christ, to receive forgiveness. Remember Peter's pattern when they said, what must we do to be saved? And he said, repent, turn from your sins, be baptized in the name of Jesus, then receive the Holy Spirit. So before we move on to that moment, I wanna give people, I trust that there's some people in this room and online who desperately need to be forgiven. It's a free gift, you can't earn it, you cannot deserve it. You don't get good enough to get God. Right now, right where you are in your present condition, your struggles, your sins, your bondages, your addictions, right now is the moment that you can experience the power of salvation through the cross of Jesus Christ. And it's a free gift. And maybe you once knew God, loved God, served God, but you've just drifted from God. And if that's you, you're what the Bible describes as a prodigal son or daughter. And if that's you, today the posture of the father towards you is the same as it was in the Bible towards that prodigal son. Arms wide open, eager, ready, expecting, longing for the day when that lost wayward son or daughter would come back home. Back home. He's just saying, come on, come back home. Come back into relationship with me. And you might say, but you don't know, God, what I've done. And, and I just tell you, he knows. And he'll help you with those things to get set free and to begin to move forward. But right now, this is his posture. Would you just come home? 
into a relationship with me. So here's what I wanna do. If that's you, you're in either one of those camps or anywhere in between. You need salvation. You need the forgiveness of sin, the weight that it's brought on your life to be forgiven once and for all. Or you need to come back home. Right now, here's what I wanna ask you to do. Don't wait, would you just lift your hand high towards your father to say, that's me. I need forgiveness. That's me. I need to come home. Lord, thank you for these precious people in this room, online. If you raised your hand, you can lower it. Here's what we're gonna do. Let's pray this prayer with these precious people to just show them their brothers and sisters in Christ wanna come alongside them, come on, right from the start. And also just to remind ourselves we never graduate from grace. We never graduate from grace. Come on, some, some amazing people with the future, with the calling, with giftings unique to, to their life came home to Christ today. Come on, let's, let's pray this prayer. Pray it with boldness today. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I recognize my need for a Savior. And I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price I could never pay to make a way that I might have a new life and a fresh start. And I give you my life. I give you my trust. And because of Jesus, I will never be the same. And come on, put your hands together and rejoice with all of heaven.